0: Hi, it's Chris Wigley here. I'm the Chief Executive of Genomics England and your host on the G podcast today. Through the conversations that we have on the pod we're hoping to ultimately bring the benefits of genomic medicine to everyone and as part of that we figure that having a something of a national conversation around genomics is really important and this is a big part of our attempt to do that. Today I'll be talking to Bettina Lundgren who's the CEO of the Danish National Genome Center She has a huge amount of experience in this area, and it's really interesting to compare and contrast some of the approaches that they're taking in Denmark, which are very much aligned with what we're doing here in England and the UK. Those who are assiduous listeners to the podcast will note that uh, we did not put an episode out last week. This was in line with the mourning period for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. But we're very excited to be back this week, and it's also worth noting that this week is Jeans for Jeans week. Those with kids may well be sending them off to school wearing their jeans and making a donation. If anyone listening wants to make a donation to Jeans for Jeans, you can do that at their website as well. In the meantime, enjoy the podcast. So it's my huge pleasure to welcome to the Go today, Dr. Bettina Lundgren, who is the CEO of the Danish National Genome Center, uh, which we're going to hear all about. Bettina, welcome to the pod.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Chris. Uh, I have really been looking forward uh, to having this talk to you today. And, and uh, we have so much uh, in common, so uh, common initiatives that we need to uh, share nationally. And, and um, Genome England has actually been an inspiration to Denmark. So uh, that's why I'm very happy.
0: Well, that's very kind of you. It was one of those sort of happy meetings coming out of the kind of worst bits of the pandemic when we met in Sweden a little while ago. And as we got talking, I was like, oh, my God, someone else is really right in the same space as we are and wrestling with these same issues. So a lot to to talk about. Maybe if we start, can you give us a bit of a sense of, you know, how you got into the world of genomics and um, how the the Danish National Genome Centre kind of came about and, and you coming to run it?
1: So uh, I'm a medical doctor of background and I actually used my prior career in also doing research. I actually worked at the NIH in the United States and at that time actually working with the gene methods. So so actually from quite the beginning I I started to sequence uh, genomes of actually pneumocystis, that is pneumonia in AIDS patients. Uh, I'm a microbiologist of background um, and then I, you know, uh, had a long uh, career uh, into the hospital system, taking care of patients. I always wanted to make a change and a better uh, treatment and, and diagnosis for patients. I've been running uh, big uh, you know, labs and I've been running diagnostic centers and uh, I've been uh, implementing IT systems, improving healthcare. I've been working together with a lot of professors, uh, a lot of different uh, people with different backgrounds introducing uh, clinical academic people into uh, into the hospital system. So I, I have a broad background and, uh, you know, uh, I introducing new technology into healthcare. And when this position came up and, and uh, you know, I thought it would be great yeah. to try to use what I have learned during my career and trying to implement this for the benefit of the patients. I also like to work with stakeholders and know that, uh, you know, the, professional background of both researchers and and, and knowledgeable, technical people uh, need to be brought together. And uh, one of the issues about that is that we speak a different language, so we need to understand each other. Uh, and I think that's uh, one of the things making it a little difficult actually to build and implement this, uh, that we need to translate. But I think that's a very important uh, thing in order to, to uh, make this work uh, for the patients.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, you've just you've just mentioned a lot of very difficult things to do there, right? Sort of bringing new technology yeah. into healthcare systems, getting people with different backgrounds to collaborate. Why bother? What you know? What what's the what's the view that we get if we climb this hill? Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. like yeah. tell us a little bit about the vision of the yeah. Danish National Genome Center and like what we hope to you know the, the return yeah. that we get on that investment.
1: So 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 the reason I I, I like uh, ambition visions. I like, uh, you know, to do something that is not easy. Many many of the things I've been doing is to, you know, try to break the codes in order to get something to work, to get a result. But uh, on on the top of that, it is to make a change for the patient today and uh, the change for the patient, for the future patients, and actually to use the knowledge and technology in order to change that, to make a better Healthcare system to make a better life for you know each patient today, each citizen, um, and and uh, and you know I think it's important uh, to uh, implement new technology because you know we are getting so much wiser, the data amount is getting so much bigger. No uh, single person, no single doctor, no single patient, citizen can you know cope all these things in their head. So so we need to have uh, new method, new technologies to help us and we need to keep uh, our citizens healthy longer so they stay out of hospital so we use actually you know and now take personalized medicine or individualized medicine use uh, you know the the power and the strengths on those who need it and also try to treat uh, the patient right the first time instead of you know yeah. trying different things
0: you know why pick dna as the as the backbone of this like why how does genomics help us to Personalize that more than say imaging or you know proteomics or RNA or metabolomics. Yeah, why the why the focus on DNA?
1: So so um, you know the, in Denmark we had a, a vision on on personalized medicine and it was actually a strategy that was uh, you know built on uh, from universities and hospitals back in 2015 16. Um, because we have a long tradition of working with healthcare data and and working, you know, in general of trying to uh, uh, make more personalized medicine. So we made a strategy, and I think in spite of probably you and others in the world, um, uh, the genome technology was new. And, and, uh, you know, uh, we wanted to kickstart the strategy by choosing uh, genomes first Uh, I think the vision is also to use other technologies um, and to build that into context together with the genome. But at the moment, uh, it's uh, the genomes uh, that we focus on.
0: Yeah, I guess it's come to that kind of stage of development where it's kind of ready for prime time. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the complexities here of like the technology, the microbiology, you know, the systems that we need to change and so on. You mentioned about the impact for patients uh, today and patients in the future um could you maybe try and bring that to life for us with a couple of examples like how can how can these approaches benefit patients
1: so the danish initiative is you know actually focus on patients and when we got a huge grant from one of our uh, funders in order to do so both from the state but also from a, 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 a great fund in denmark uh, they wanted uh, it to benefit the patient upfront. So I know your initiative in London has been building the infrastructure, building the the cohort of of uh, patient with rare diseases, uh, and then you know getting it directly out to patient or healthcare. We need to put it directly out to healthcare in the beginning. So so this is where we are. So we have existed since 2019, so we have not been here for that many years. I've been working here for three years now and, and uh, we have probably like 6,000 genomes in our database. It's not so much, but it comes from clinical practice uh, collaboration with our hospital system. And you know, I try to uh, when I communicate this, I think it's very important to say what does it matter? And um, we have, uh, of course, a huge rare community area where really really work and we know, uh, from your data in, in Britain that, that uh, it really benefits, that you can really find uh, something that can help patients. But, but uh, another example I'll take is in, in the infectious disease world or the immune, uh, immunological world uh, is a great example uh, that uh, makes me happy of going to work every day. It's a young woman uh, in her 30s, and, and uh, she was actually being sick, not able to wear normal shoes not able to uh, fulfill a full-time job because uh, she had uh, infections in her feet and, and her skin was, you know, being very thick and falling off. So she had specially made shoes and, and, and being in her, your 30s and, and walking around with shoes that look weird is probably not the best thing. And then she uh, came into uh, to, to the specialist and that for thought we'll have to make a whole genome sequence to figure out if there's something wrong with her and what kind of immune deficiency does she have since she has all these infections and, and, and uh, mold infections. And, and uh, then, um, then uh, the result came out that she had a defect in one of her genes that uh, said she had a rare immune deficiency that uh, disposed her for uh, uh, mold infections and, and um, bacterial infections. And, and uh, now she has prophylaxis in order to prevent these infections and after uh, a year, you know, her feet are normal. She can uh, buy shoes like you and me, and uh, she can actually uh, fulfill a full-time job. And I think, I mean, that is trying to make a change. That is making a better life situation for this uh, single patient. And, and that's what makes you happy when you hear this story and, and it can make a change. I know it's not for everybody that gets a results like that, but, but uh, you know, when you get the good stories, I think you need to communicate them out. Uh, So people are not afraid of uh, having these uh, advanced tests done.
0: Yeah, it's exactly that, right. And you're right about there is this sense among different individuals or different communities about kind of anxiety about this. You know, the the DNA is kind of the blueprint for our bodies. It's hugely sensitive information. What have you learned from talking to citizens, patients, different groups in Denmark about their concerns, you know, the areas where they're excited and how we as a community can kind of listen to that and shape these services in a way that makes them relevant for people and like not and you know positive not scary
1: mm. I mean uh, I, I think it's a huge task that we probably all of us have and we still have because it's new technology and uh, I think when you know when the Danish genome center and the initiative was started there was a lot of debate going on in terms of this is scary and this is the most sensitive data and you want to keep it and share it, this needs to be securely, you know, uh, kept. And that's why the politicians wanted it to be kept on Danish soil. So we have it in, in a secure database and we're just ISO certified also in terms of, uh, you know, information security and GDPR uh, safety and things like that. So, so, so we have, have a lot of work of that. But when that is said, uh, you know, we have had some investigations going on in our community um, about how much do the general population know about genomes. And and, uh, for that, it's probably maybe people have heard about it. So it's a little more than half of people who have heard about genomes. But if you educate them or if they are patient or have a relative that have been into hospital, then they are very positive about having it used. And. Just for the survey, uh, we found that 65% of the citizens backed up of also having their genes used in research. Uh, the number for having data used in research is a little higher in general in Denmark, but in our survey, it was 65 and now, of course, we look forward to figuring out how, when we implement, how many of, of the, the patients that we ask for having a whole genome sequence will actually it. Yeah, what
0: Well, it's, it's interesting just on that, what we've found in England so far is that with patients coming through the genomic medicine service in the NHS, as you say, this is naturally a group who is... Um, engaging brain on this topic and educating themselves and, you know, working with their doctors often, often really actively. I think partly because of that, and partly because of the the benefit they can see both for, for research more broadly, and also for themselves as individuals, we're actually getting sort of between 90 and 95% of people who come through the service are opting into sharing their data mm-hmm. for the purposes of research, which is fantastic. But that's I don't think anything that we can take for granted you know we need to keep earning that that trust every every day have those kind of efforts of listening and uh, and dialogue led you to um other insights or to kind of shape the services you're providing
1: yes uh, at the moment and and i think from where we are now and also where you are we do not have the numbers that you just told about nhs but but uh, i think that a large task is also to learn the healthcare staff about you know what it is and and how it is uh, so so uh, for example when when i was educated as a doctor in my uh, study books there was not much about genomes i mean it was uh, you know not very little and and uh, there are still doctors my age in the hospitals and and you know we need to educate the healthcare staff also about this and and what it is and and some of the staff can be a little scared i went to you know Huge cancer conferences, and of course, there are experts and professors. They know a lot about it, uh, but the general doctor needs to be upgraded. So, 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 uh, one of the things that we have done in Denmark is actually to try to, you know, communicate and, like you, do podcasts uh, to the citizen. We do podcasts for the for the healthcare staffs and 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 make information and you know uh, try to get reach these uh, people uh, in conferences and other things. Um, and, and hear what they need in order to to implement it. So, uh, so but we we are in the beginning of getting out and and uh, and also like to learn from you. So that's also why I think it's very important that we collaborate across borders because you know, uh, although that the the countries are different and the healthcare system are a little different, it's the same thing we try to do. And 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 I think we can learn from each other. Uh, so I think that's very important. And
0: I guess Denmark is very clearly part of this immediate family of kind of Scandinavian nations. Denmark and England and the UK are very close neighbors. There's obviously lots of others working on these topics around the world. How are you thinking through, I guess, reconciling these two things that seem contradictory maybe at first glance? That one is we need to protect this data very securely and intensely and robustly, keep keep the sensitive data on Danish soil, as you put it yet also collaborate internationally that you know if if a disease is very rare we maybe need to put together groups of people who have that disease to study them and maybe three of them live in Denmark five of them live in England and you know Mm -hmm. five live in the US I'm making it up right but um how can we do that work at the same time as protecting the privacy of of the data sets of those citizens and patients?
1: Um, I, I say I think we need to, to try to work together, and I think there is an initiative in Europe. Um, I think you are part of it as well. It's called One Plus Million Genomes, uh, where, where there are initiatives at different uh, levels, both uh, both on the on the legislation uh, and, and and also from the technical point of view. How can we actually exchange knowledge and uh, and the way of how we can actually exchange information without the data leaving the country because i think there's a lot of countries who have the same scaredness of this and restrictions but i'm sure that the technology can can use that because as as you say because for the benefit of the patient we need to work across borders and 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 we need to not be scared uh of, of data you know uh leaving us and 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 uh, I'm I'm sure that, you know, within some years, we we can actually do that. And I also hope that, you know, we can also, in terms of research, uh, be able to exchange, you know, and use the data we have in order to also, you know, generate better healthcare treatments, preventions uh, for patients for the future, because uh, that's also a possibility we have maybe not only using genes, but also using other health data. So I hope that's the way that the, the fields are moving.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think your point earlier about it being based on the sort of choices of citizens, I think is, you know, what, what we found as well and bringing people on that journey so they understand. But what we found is that where the patients involved understand what's happening, Okay, we're gonna share these details from your genomic data, but we're not gonna share your name or your address and it's not linked to Google Maps or anything else that you know people might worry it is. And that will mean that, you know, there is a community of people who have the same condition as you and actually we can maybe get to better results. The feedback we get is do it, do it, do it yeah, now. Yeah. You know, do it yesterday. Either yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> like either like I'm sick or my kid is sick. Um, yeah. or whatever you know we need we need results we need more yeah. research we need more progress so yeah yeah it's a a big task but and... but i think
1: i th- i say th- i think you're right and and i think the majority uh, of patients and and citizens uh think the way that uh, that you do here but then there's a small community and and those are the ones uh all the time that you know they scream and shout and and at least in denmark then we have the political system and they're afraid you know when these people scream and and, and and make their concerns then they they get afraid of you know letting things happen and yeah. and and, and, and um, I think we're all up against that and it's the same you you know with vaccination and with other things uh, but also with the genomes and it's probably yeah. the same kind of people
0: <laughs> completely and yeah. it takes I think it takes um political, bravery or sort of boldness exactly. to, to to lead in this direction and to, yeah. to keep explaining why yeah. it's not a conspiracy, it's not um, exactly. yeah, anything uh, nefarious, it's for the yeah. benefit of, uh, of patients and so on. You've mentioned about how you're bringing these, you know, incredibly cutting edge technologies into a clinical context, into hospitals and clinics, and you have, you know, background and experience and form in bringing various kind of new technologies mm-hmm. into that field. Mm-hmm across these very complex clinical systems of, you know, lots of hospitals, lots of clinics, lots of different labs and so on. You've mentioned that, um, you know, different generations of clinicians will have had different uh, experiences through their training and experience and so on. How do you think about getting adoption and kind of pull from that clinical community for these new things that can seem, uh, scary can seem complex, can seem you know different to how medicine has been practiced mm-hmm. before. Yeah, how how do you think about these technologies kind of infusing across those systems?
1: I mean, we think a lot about it and we work a lot about it, uh, both with with the with the you know the heads of uh, the hospital systems because uh, they they you know in Denmark uh, when we implement this, uh, it needs to be equal for all citizens in Denmark. So if a disease area is chosen to have a whole genome sequence done. It's all over Denmark. We have, uh, you know, huge hospitals in some areas, smaller hospitals in other areas, and and, and uh, they need to collaborate. So so and they need to standardize the way of working, and 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 that's at least not their standardized treatment. But you know, in this area, uh, it's new for people. So so uh, we need to bring them together. Uh, and that's also uh, quite a bit of our work, having conferences and meetings uh, with specialists all over. Um, the other day we had meetings with uh, interpreters uh, from Denmark uh, coming uh, to a meeting discussing how they were actually, you know, reading these results, these huge data, uh, and, and how they should interpret it and, and how they can actually help each other and how they can standardize. There were 100 people and a good discussion and it was great, you know, uh, to hear that they actually wanted to share and they also wanted to try to standardize moving the field forward, but yeah. also figuring out what is, you know, treatment today and what is research and, and, and that being the cutting edge field, because you cannot sit and look at a genome for months when the patient maybe needs an answer before. Yeah. And, and so, so there are different uh, things. And, and, and so we need to drive it, but we also need to, uh, take these people into uh, and, and use their knowledge. I think it's very important to respect uh, each their field and figuring out how that can play together uh, into the healthcare system because um, there's a lot of data that needs to be interpreted. Yeah. And we need some help for that, and and probably some technology may can help us. And uh, and uh, I hope that we can invent something that can make it easier for for the staffs out there. Uh, Yeah. The future. So that's one of the things that I like to have in an easier way.
0: Well, I think one of the analogies that people use about um, machine learning is, you know, it's like having the sort of smart assistant on your shoulder or whatever, and that that's one of the areas that we're we're trying to invest in, because if we want this to become a generally applicable set of insights about a patient, it it can't be done manually um, every time, right? You know, it has to um, it has to be automated, right? And in fact, I was on the point about how we tell these stories and bring people with us. I was talking with uh, the wonderful Edward Kuppen, uh, Edwin Kuppen from uh, Amsterdam recently, who and they're running this uh, whole genome sequencing service in cancer. And he was saying they have three, four, five um, semi-retired senior oncologists who are real enthusiasts about uh, genome sequencing and the insights you can ge- generate. And basically what they're doing with their sort of Semi-retirement time is just going to every single meeting or conference or um, whatever that they can, either asking questions, telling stories, you know, getting a speaking slot at it and just being ambassadors. And it made me think we need we need a kind of army of these people. It's such a huge job. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, is a, it is a huge job.
1: So so. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, well, uh, we, we need to invent something and uh, it's both uh, on, you know, taking the experts into uh, consideration what they mean and I think and and then use the technology and, and also invent the technology for how we can better use it. And then one thing that is also important uh, today, you know, we have the genomes and, and all the rest of the healthcare records, they are in the patient record. So, so um, maybe we also need to try to figure out a way where you can, you know, uh, not only the genomes, but connect that with other health care data, uh, probably in an AI uh, method yeah. or other methods in order to, you know, uh, help out uh, the clinicians and the interpreters. Uh, I think it's important that we still have uh, people uh, sitting out interpreting the results, but if they can be helped, Part of the way, uh, like you say, I think that would be uh, uh, something that is important for the future.
0: And speaking of the future, you know, if we look back in time, let's say 10 years, um, 2012, you know, Genomics England didn't exist. The 100,000 Genomes Programme didn't exist. All of us didn't exist. The Danish National Genome Center didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, As a community, we've made so much progress over the last decade. If we lift our eyes to the horizon and think sort of 10 years from now, What's your hope about where we might be in 10 years time in terms of bringing the benefits of these insights to patients.
1: So I really hope that you know um, that that. Uh, for one thing, I hope that we can actually be better at working across borders, because, like you said, some of the patients are not that you know. It's, it's rare, uh, but also if it's not rare, I mean, we need to exchange uh, knowledge across borders and be able to exchange uh, uh, information about the data, at least. I hope that uh, we will have a legislation and acceptance uh, of how we can better use uh, both genomes, but also other healthcare data into, uh, you know, uh, getting uh, a better uh, healthcare system. Uh, in order to use the time on the patients that needs it and, and not on other patients. I really hope that also the genome data can be reused. So if you have once had, uh, I know you have an initiative with the babies and, you know, when you have one had your, uh, your whole genome done, uh, how can you maybe benefit from that later if you get, you know, high blood pressure or other diseases, uh, it can prevent you from, you know, having three, five different medicines before you find the right uh, blood pressure medicine that you need so you don't have the side effects. So that's also, you know, something that adds to more healthier life to everybody. Uh, so I really hope that, and, and and I know that the genomes are not the answer of everything, but, but uh, if we can use it where it can be used, I would be very happy. Uh, and also if it can be put into context, I know it. Uh, Sometimes there are also polygenic uh, diseases and other things, and and, uh, there's a lot of uh, research and things that need to be done there uh, before we can really use it. But I think uh, having the genome initiatives, we have, you know, gathering databases and and finding a way uh, where healthcare people can access them, where researchers can access them. You have a system where you also have your industry that can in some kind uh, get access to the data. Uh, it's more difficult in Denmark, but I hope uh, that uh, we can figure out a way to do that too. Uh, at the moment, you can do it if you collaborate with a, with a researcher. You can also come to Denmark and, and work on our data if you collaborate with uh, a researcher in Denmark. So uh, we need to have more of that uh, and we need to show the value of it. And we need to learn from each other because yeah. uh, there's no need that everybody need to invent what you say in Denmark, the deep plate. <laughs> uh, we need to learn from each other and, and build on from there. So, um, so I think that's important. And then we need to gain the patient's trust and the politicians need to be, uh, you know, uh, to, to, tr- to trust uh, and, 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 and say that we will keep uh, safe, these data safe and, and we won't misuse uh, use them for anything because that's part of our you know when i sign my medical agreement i say you know uh, i need to be trusted and know and i can't share uh, information about patients and, and and we need to know that that's a way uh, to move forward
0: yeah well a blueprint there for uh, the next 10 years it's it's interesting you mentioned the initiative around newborn sequencing the more that we think about that and talk about it with uh, parents and uh, doctors and others the more we realize Actually, it's kind of a hundred year project (laughs) (laughs) in 10, in 10 years time, those babies will be 10, right? And so it'll be 40 years until they're all kind of entering middle age and Mm -hmm. thinking about heart disease and cancer and so on. It'll be 70, 80 years until they're Mm -hmm. going into kind of potentially neurodegenerative uh, Mm -hmm. situations. So yeah, we need to be uh, persistent and we need to be patient. I think uh, as we Mm -hmm. do this, I'm normally typically very uh, impatient and so I'm, yeah. I'm learning, you know, zen to be zen, well, zen um, patience. <laughs> Then
1: we need to drive something else <laughs> <Chris>. <laughs> in we parallel. To, we, yeah, we need to make it uh, make, make the professionals uh made it possible for them to yeah. collect the data and to do research on it and to exchange data. This is what we need to do.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so and I think
1: with other data.
0: Uh, I hope that by the time those babies are, you know, teenagers, yeah. we already have insights about mental health. By the time they're in their middle age, we already yeah. have insights about those other things and yeah. so on. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: super. Um, we've, we've talked uh, today a bit about the importance of, um, you know, explaining what we're doing to people, listening to uh, different communities and so on. The goal of this podcast is to try and bring you know a range of different voices on genomics and out there into you know the world are there any either types of people or specific people who you think we should all hear more from um who who else should we get onto the pod
1: whoa Uh, that's something (laughs) i have not really thought about who are your Uh, heroes (laughs) uh, (laughs) i haven't heard all your podcasts but uh I think uh, some of the different stakeholders, uh, some of the politicians that uh, need to help us making the change, and also uh, probably some of uh, the technology people that can explain that uh, even though data is not kept on either Danish or British soil, uh, you can actually work with data in other cloud systems. I think we need to learn more about that and we need to trust it uh, because I'm sure there is a way to do it. Um, so, so, um, so we, so that's one of the things that we need to convince, um, people and it's okay. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah.
0: Good. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll follow up on that. Um, in the meantime, Bettina, thank you so much for, uh, taking time out of your crunched schedule to come and, uh, talk to us today. Really, really appreciate it.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening to this discussion about the G-Word and for joining us on this journey to highlight and debate the implications of genomics as it comes to the mainstream of healthcare and society. Remember to subscribe to the G-Word on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you have views on these topics, if you have a suggestion for someone we should interview, then do write to us at podcast at genomicsengland.co.uk. And do remember, if you've enjoyed listening, that giving us a five-star review really helps other people find out about the series. and appreciate it very much. See you on the next episode of The G-Word.